Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Hey guys, welcome back to Inside the Five. It's Stav. It's Will. And it's Griff. And today we're going to be recapping the seven versus eight play-in tournament games. We're going to be previewing the nine versus ten games tonight on the night of this recording. And we're going to be having a little MLB talk talk about the Red Sox. And we'll kind of give a little takes around the MLB. What do you guys say? Let's go. Let's do it. All right, boys, let's start off with the Nets versus the Cavs. The Nets beat the Cavs last night, uh, 115 to 108, as they advanced to be the seventh seed, play the Celtics game one Sunday. Let's give our initial thoughts on the playing game itself. I mean, the entire game, the Nets had the lead. It didn't really feel like it was ever going to be out of control. It always felt like the Nets game. Yeah, it, it was like, I mean, towards the end, it started to be more of like a fight back for the Cavs, but I think it was a little bit too late. Um, it was just interesting to see them tail off, especially with the Nets now being the team that the Celtics are going to play in the first round. Um, it was just kind of good to see that they didn't dominate all the way through, but they dominated it in the minutes that mattered. The first three by the time it was the fourth quarter it was already out of hand. Um, and I think the Cavs were just a little a little jumpy. It, it's, a, it's a bunch of young guys. It was definitely tough to start get going. Rondo had a pretty good game. But, yeah, I think it was just KD, Kyrie. I, I think the, the Celtics are going to have some problems with that. Um, if you want me to give my initial thoughts on that, I think the Celtics are going to win in five. I'll explain a little bit later when we're giving our predictions. But, I mean, my overall takeaways from the game were that the Nets' defense is awful, in my opinion. Like – I think both defenses, rather, to that point, were awful. I think the Cavs really did not have a game plan in the first half. They were scrambling. Um, They were just attacking the paint just to get blocked. They probably got blocked like six, seven times to start the game. Um, Garland's amazing. He's very quick. Um, What else can I say? I mean, Kyrie and KD, they got theirs, but the other guys really did not impress me at all. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I feel like we're going to have troubles with KD and Kyrie just because it's the playoffs. And, like, they, like, I don't know, there's the way they play in the playoffs is definitely different compared to where they play in the regular season. I mean, their defense isn't really all that. So I feel like that will definitely benefit us. I mean, it benefited us during our season series. Obviously, the last time we played them, Tatum dropped, what, like 50 points? Was it? So, like, we can obviously expect good things from our stars. It's It's going to be a good matchup, I think. Um, uh, oh, wait, Griff, you give your thoughts. 
Yeah, no, I think like looking more at the Katie and Kyrie matchup, it's kind of interesting because you don't see it as the Nets beating the Celtics. Like right now, I, I, I my, my, uh, let me finish my take and then I'll fix my audio. Um, I think it's more of if we can neutralize them, meaning that like you guys can hear me fine enough right now, right? No, but, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry about well that. Um, they, they being JT are there, right? And it's not more about like them scoring more points than Katie and Kyrie. As long as we can keep it close with those two, we got to put the trust in our other guys like like Grant and Al Horford, Daniel Tice, Terrence White. And smart, and we just got to beat him with the rest of our guys. That's the way that I'm seeing it. So here's how I like to break down playoff series. Um, as JBJ just hits an absolute piss missile and doubles again. Wow, what a goal! Right, sorry, sorry for getting. I just watched that. that too. Okay, so here's how I like to look at playoff series, especially when it comes down to like the really minimal differences. If you were to take the best player away from each team, who would win this series? So if you were to take away Tatum from the Celtics and you were to take away KD from the Nets, who would win? And I think by far the Celtics would sweep them. I don't think it would be even that close. You know what I mean? So you bring both of those guys back into the equation and realize that KD has to do a lot more than Jason Tatum does for the Nets to win, in my opinion, at least. I, think I don't think the, that's going to happen. I, I don't think it's going to happen either. But, like, Katie does what he does at ease. So, like, honestly, it's really any given night for them. Like, Kyrie started off the game perfect. Like, obviously, he's that's not, not going to happen every again. Night. Obviously, that's not going to happen again. But, like, we don't know that. Like, obviously, I understand what you're saying, where, like, we take the best players away. But, like, we're talking about Katie and Kyrie. Yeah. So, it, like, I'm not trying to, like, I'm trying to, like, play both sides here. Obviously, I think, like, the Celtics are going to win the series. Like, I don't right. think that's the issue. But, like, from a non-biased standpoint, we're talking about KD. Like, I don't think I've ever seen him miss. Like, yeah, yeah that's very like, he just makes every shot, like, contested. It doesn't matter. Like, it's crazy. And, like, and Kyrie just does his thing. He finishes with excellence. He makes things look easy, too. Like, obviously, it's just two guys compared to our whole squad that plays as a team. But, like, I mean, they can go off any night. So, Katie and Kyrie needed to play 40 minutes last night to beat the Cavs. Who am I, with all due respect, my opinion, they're not even close to how good the Celtics are. I think everyone's undermining how hot the Celtics are right now and how good this team actually is. The Celtics are betting underdogs going into this series. When was the last time that a two seed was an underdog heading into a series? Probably the last time was going to be 2017-2018 when they were the two seed against the Bucks in the first round. That was probably the last time a two seed wasn't favorited in the first round. And we have everybody. Like, our main, other than Rob Williams, which we know, we know how we play without him. Like, this isn't like he got hurt yesterday and we're not going to have him. Like, we know how this team plays without Rob Williams, and he's going to return game five probably. That's going to be four and a half weeks after his injury. So he's projected to come back in three and a half weeks. He might come back even earlier. So it's not like Bruce Brown's comments yesterday really did kind of irk me. I mean, KD did kind of straighten him out. But Al Horford and Daniel Tice held their own while Rob Williams was out. And the Nets – they got theirs against the Cavs. 
The Cavs centers were Evan Mobley, who's young and an undersized big. I mean, Laurie Market, in my opinion, is awful. Yeah. Kevin Love's 35 and not a defensive center. So you go up against guys like Al Horford and Daniel Tice, who are constantly in the rotation, and guys like Grant Williams, who can guard on ball, you're not going to have an easy time. And if you're Katie and Kyrie and you have to play 40 minutes against consistent defense, how can you expect to last an entire series in the first round? Yeah, I just don't see the – people are looking at it straight up as KD and Kyrie, and, and that's the thing. It's it's something you can think about because it is Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and both of them could score 50 in the same night, like if they had to. Um, but it's like the rest of this team, in my opinion, is garbage. Like, there, I, I don't think anybody else on this team is good. Seth Curry, I had high hopes for him. I thought he was a good uh, – player i think he had like three points in 39 minutes last night it was something around there it was terrible um and if seth curry can't come through and score 20 points for you because that's what you need in the playoffs from him um and drummond is going to get his rebounds but what's he actually going to do on offense against al horford and daniel tice i just really don't think he's going to be that dominant on the offensive side in this series i feel like a lot of people are saying he is and another thing that I don't understand about, because I am probably the biggest critique of Steve Nash as a coach, he just benches Andre Drummond in the last 10 minutes of a game, no matter how close mm-hmm. it is and no, how, no matter how dominant he is. Last night, he had his way with the Cavs. Like, he scored 16 points in the first half. I think he had double-double in the first half, and he didn't play a second after, like, the 10-minute mark of the third quarter. So I don't know what Steve Nash is really doing. I think when they benched Andre Drummond, that allowed the Cavs to get back into the game because the Cavs were, I mean, the, the Nets weren't getting any offensive rebounds. So I, I just think Steve Nash's rotations are all out of whack, and that's really going to be magnified in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm also a huge critique of Steve Nash. Never really thought he was the fit there since, like, day one. And then as soon as they started failing us, an organization and doing all these moves. I never really was fond of any of them. I mean, I totally agree. Like I do, I don't think the Nets actually have a chance. My point was just that we have to also keep in mind that Katie and Kyrie are still there and can do their thing. But like overall, I don't think there's a chance. We're just a better overall team. And then obviously I think Steve Nash's game plans and stuff like that are honestly horrible. And they're lucky that Jared Allen didn't play last night. Yeah. They're, they, they're very lucky that Jared Allen didn't play last night because it would have been a whole different game. Um, and I think the the thing that's let the Nets kind of get back into this season because at one point we thought they potentially weren't going to make the playoffs, but now they're in the play-in, um, the seventh seed, obviously. It, w- it was the fact that Steve Nash like just threw away his game plan and he honestly let KD and Kyrie get to work because he realized that's all you can do when you have superstars on your team. Like If they're not getting 30-plus touches a game, then they're not going to be happy. Then the team isn't going to thrive. So you just got to let them go to work. I think that's kind of what he did. And like it, it's working to a certain extent, but it's only going to get you so far because at, at one point in the playoffs, you're just going to get flat-out coached. And and it's going to be a bad loss for them. And I'm expecting it to happen to them in the first round. Um, The NBA playoffs are the most magnet. Let me rephrase this. In the NBA playoffs, everything is 10 times more magnified compared to any other sport. I feel like um, in the NBA playoffs, the details matter more so than like hypothetically in the NFL playoffs. Like in the NFL playoffs, you have to do what you have to do. Like you have your job, you do it. 
But in the NBA, usually throughout the regular season, that's not the case. Guys explore a lot of things. No, everything's magnified. You're coaching your assistant coaches, how you play a certain defense against a certain guy. You had teams game planning for four wins against you in a row or over a course of like two weeks. So it really does come down to coaching, in my opinion. You know, I don't think Steve Natch can necessarily out-coach Ime Udoka right now. I don't – like, as long – like, with the critique of Steve Nash, I feel like the main part of it is him having Katie and Kyrie. Not that they're uncoachable, but they're just so much more experienced. They're stars, and Steve Nash is a young coach. So I feel like a lot goes along those lines where, like, they kind of just have more say than him, which is – Obviously not ideal if you're trying to run an organization, a team as the head coach. Yeah, and it's it's something that you can do in the regular season well. It's like you can just let your your superstars eat, and this perfectly connects it because that's exactly what they're doing this year. Like when KD's playing, he's playing great. When Kyrie's playing, he's playing great. Um, but when they don't play, it's like it really comes down to Steve Nash's coaching in the regular season, and those are the games that they don't win. When they have both of them, they're so good because they can just let both of them kind of play street ball and just kind of get buckets, right? Like once you come down to the playoffs, it's a whole different game. The regular season, as much as you don't want to think it, they don't try as hard as the regular season. I, I swear they don't. Not, and no, LeBron not James is a prime example of it. But it's, it's, it's true. I mean, the playoffs is a whole different beast. People, I mean, give it all they have because – like last night, if the Nets lost, they only had one game left in the season, potentially, if they lost the next one, too. So it, it's going to be a whole different beast, and I think Steve Nash is going to be humbled once again throughout this playoff run, and, and I don't know if he'll have a job with the Nets come next year. I agree. Also, I just wanted to cut in and say Spencer Torkelson just hit his first career uh, home run in the Vigs. He's Absolute a beast. Shot. Yeah, no, he's going to be a beast. Stud. He's going to be good. Yeah, all right. I think that's, that's a perfect segue into the next playing game between the Timberwolves and the Clippers. Um, my initial thoughts on that were, first off, I was wrong. I thought the Clippers were going to win that game just because of the PG effect. But the Timberwolves are a very young and fun team. Griff, you kind of explained it before in our last episode. They're a very energetic and young, hungry team. And that's what we saw, especially down the stretch of like in the fourth quarter, especially when the Clippers kind of gave up their lead because the Clippers were leading throughout this game. And the, this game kind of looked like it was in control until around the halfway through the fourth quarter. Then the Timberwolves just kind of took over. I mean, Anthony Edwards is awesome. He's proven why he's that number one pick last year, why he's um, why he kind of deserves to be put into that young star category. Cat played awful. D'Lo was pretty good. And Pat Bev just brought his energy. You know, Pat Bev is just one of those guys who you hate to play against but love to have on your team. Right. Pat Pat Bev is – I think I talked about Pat Bev a little bit on the last episode. Like, he's just straight up there to guard a point guard or a shooting guard, and that's all he can bring you. But it, he's so good at it that it's actually valuable. Um, but like I said, I, I thought this was an easy win for the Timberwolves, and I think Will agreed with me. Stav, I think yeah. he didn't agree with us, which is fair because Paul George is on the other team, and Paul George did have a great game. But it, it really came down to the fact that the Timberwolves just wanted it more. That's what it felt like. Like the Clippers kind of gave up, I feel like, without having Kawhi Leonard. Um, and Cat really didn't play well, like you said. And that means a lot for this Timberwolves team to still squeak by with a W and, and 
that's a big win to be a seven seed in, instead of playing another game to potentially be the A or B out. You win a game when your best player doesn't have a good game. Now, that feels really good going into the next series, but you need Cat to step up if you want to have any chance um, against the two seed. I mean, that was a huge game, and I feel like Clippers as an organization hate energy. <laughs> like, like Pat Bev, obviously – when he was there, he was like that guy that brought that energy to the team. And like you could tell last night that he's going to be a big part of this Timberwolves run in the playoffs if they make a good run. Um, but like even them just like energy as a team, young, fun team, you could just see that they were just deflated as soon as they started running on them. They just wanted no part of it at all. Um, I th- This is kind of segment like towards like the after of the game. but. The Timberwolves fans and the team got a lot of critique for how they were celebrating. And first off, I just wanted to say I hate that. I think if you're a team, especially as young as they are, when Minnesota as an entire city has not had any success at all in any of their major sports. You know, you talk about the Twins. They haven't won a playoff game in 17 years. You talk about the Vikings who got their heart ripped out by the Eagles in 2017. And that's their most recent success. Um, the Minnesota Wild. Minnesota is known as a hockey town. And they suck. Um, who am I forgetting? And the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves yeah, haven't Timberwolves. won a playoff series since what? Like the mid-2000s? Like yeah, not even maybe like last that, yeah. probably KG. So mm-hmm. go ahead and celebrate. Like if you're a sports fan, what, what are you going to be serious for? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we have to worry about uh, the next round. What do you mean we? Like, celebrate, bro. Your team won. Your team's in the playoffs. What's The whole point of being a sports fan is so you could see your team in the playoffs. All you want is a chance. And the Timberwolves players were excited, and the organization was excited, and the fans were excited, as they should be. They were celebrating like they won an NBA championship. Good. They're on, they're on the track. At least they can say they're competing for one. In the past, they haven't even been able to say that. So I, I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say about, like, Everyone's saying be serious and focus. Like, if I'm a fan, why the hell do I have to focus? I'm going to be happy. Honestly. Go for well. I was like, honestly, I think it's kind of ridiculous because the playing tournament is meant for teams like this. Like, yes, they're technically without the playing. They're a team that's already in the playoffs. They have every right to celebrate. I mean, they were already technically in without the playing. They already – they won. They made their way. They're officially in the playoffs. A team like this is something that, like, the play-in is supposed to be like. Like, you're supposed to see a team who's competitive, who's good, but, like, they're trying to – like, obviously, they're trying to expand somehow with this play-in. Like, it, I, like, I don't know. I still think it's kind of questionable to begin with, but like, but we all, we, we all we talk about is the teams that like, Oh, can they squeak into the plan? Like the nets or like the Lakers. I don't want to talk about any of them anymore, but like, <laughs> I feel like, like that's all like, we're, we're like, Oh, can they squeeze into the plan? And we're talking about like solid teams that have made runs in the playoffs before. And like teams that should be better. Like this is a team that like hasn't done this in a long time and they deserve to have this reaction a hundred percent. Yeah, and I'm going to be 100% here. We, we all agree on this topic, which I think this is a topic that either of us could have been on that, uh, either side. But I this is a big win. This is a big win for the Timberwolves, for, for Minnesota, for, I mean, that whole area of sports. Like, this is a big deal. This is a young team, and they're not progressed all the way that – that they could be with with Anthony Edwards, who's probably going to be their best player in a couple of years. I honestly think he has the potential to be better than Carl Anthony Towns and be a, an all-star starter and player. Like, 
maybe on the fringe of superstar. Like I, I'm thinking of Anthony Edwards of like I don't really know what to compare him to. Like like a young Dame Lillard. Like that's who. Like he, I think he has the potential to really come through and be one of those guys that's a superstar on a low market team. Um, and I mean, even though Minnesota is a big, bigger area, so I'd, I'd say it's a low market team. He has the potential to be that. He's not that right now. This is a big win. This is kind of like the first year of maybe a string of playoff runs for Minnesota. And I think next year they won't be in the plan. They'll be at least a six seed. I agree. And I think, I mean, in my preseason predictions, I did have them making the playoffs. I think they have a really good young core between D'Lo, Cat, Anthony Edwards, and Pat Bev compliments him perfectly. I think he's a great leader. And he does – he – he spoke facts on the JJ Reddick podcast. I don't know if you guys ever listened to that, like his interview, but he's like, every single team I've ever been on has made the playoffs. And he's, I don't want to say he's the clear, like X factor in that, but this year, the last year, the Timberwolves didn't make the playoffs. They didn't really make crazy moves other than just develop their players, but they brought Pat Bev, Pat Bev aboard. And he is just so scrappy. He reminds me of like a louder Marcus Smart. You know what I mean? Someone who's going to let you know. And he was probably the lead catalyst of them celebrating. And he beat his former team. I mean, that's what that's what the beauty of sports is. It's he, a big win for Pat Pat. Yeah. Like, because he set himself, he had a value for himself, as everyone should. He's a defensive first team, like, locked most years. Um, pre, like, a great defender, one of the most known people in the NBA, if that makes sense. But... The Clippers are like, yeah, we'll let you walk. We don't need you. And now look at this. Pat, like, if I'm Pat Bev, this is like one of the greatest. This is like an NBA championship for my personal ego. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the first big W for the for the play-in. Like, yeah. as a whole, like seeing, like getting good recognition out of the play-in as a team and a team that can be lethal in the playoffs potentially. And Griff getting back to Anthony Edwards, I think he reminds me more like a Baron Davis. I can see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Good shout. Yeah, that, that's a good one. That's a good one. And he's he's just so bouncy. He's so athletic. He's like he's an exciting guy to watch, right? And and he can really do it all on the court. And I think that one day they're gonna have enough to to like potentially make a, a finals, not a finals run, but a conference finals run and, and be like that team. Like, what if they had one more piece? I feel like that's a team that they could be kind of like when the Atlanta Hawks were like a one seed and just got absolutely destroyed by the Cavs. I, yeah. I think that that's like the potential they have to sneak in as like a two seed or a one seed on an off year and make a little run and then just fall short. Like, I, I it's like, that's not like, the best scenario, but it's a pretty good scenario for Anthony Edwards. It mean he's a pretty good player. But that's the that's the way that I see these Timberwolves going. And I think Carl Anthony Towns is going to be a Timberwolf for his whole career. A lot of talks of him coming to Boston, but I don't I don't think he's ever going to leave. I don't know why. I just feel like he just loves being there. Yeah, I agree. I I think we hit kind of the head of the nail here. But looking ahead a little bit, we gave our set our two seven predictions for the Celtics and the Nets. Let's give our two seven predictions here for the for the Grizzlies and Timberwolves because I feel like this is a very underrated matchup. I feel like this is going to be a great series. I think both teams kind of complement each other very well. This reminds me of – how do I phrase this? The Timberwolves now remind me of what the Grizzlies were in the 2010s. Kind of like that young, scrappy team who's going to give Conway. you a run for your – Yeah, like the, the grit and grind Grizzlies. 
I think the Timberwolves now are like one of those teams who you don't want to see them. Like they get hot and they kind of all you, they, they remind me of the Bengals as well. I'm just kind of comparing them to everyone, but it's like, <laughs> don't let them think that they can win because once you let, once they have that confidence, they're just going to be up here and it's going to be hard yeah, to stop man, these guys. Like if, if D'Lo is playing like he was on the nets and even like he was last night on the, we're recording this on Wednesday. So Tuesday night, if you let Anthony Edwards do his thing, never mind Cat, who's the best player on that team. Like, they don't let them think they can win. If you're the Grizzlies, you gotta hit them and hit them hard early. Yeah, and if I'm if I'm Memphis, I'm nervous that these guys beat the Clippers on a Carl Anthony Towns off night. Now, just imagine if he gives you thirty, because he that's what he has to bring in the playoffs, and that's what he can bring in the playoffs. He's a very good shooter. He's good in the post. He's he's a big guy, a seven footer that plays. I mean, kind of like a small forward, just the way that he can move at that size and shoot the ball. He's fantastic. Now, if he can really put it together in the playoffs, they'll be in for a little upset. And I think this is going to be a very good series. It's going to be a two versus seven, but I don't think it's going to be played like a two versus seven. I think it's going to be played more like a four versus five, where Memphis is the four and Minnesota's the five. I think Minnesota's legit. I think they're a very good team, and there's one, they're one of those sneaky teams in the playoffs that can pull off an upset. I think it's very doable. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Yeah, I agree. I think this is going to be one of like the more slapped on like playoff um, exactly. matchups. It's going to be a really good game. This Timberwolves team reminds me of like I think a few years back when they were like really good and like we thought they were going to make a real run. I don't think they ended up making the playoffs that year. I think they fell off like shortly after the All Star break or they barely squeaked in, something like that. And like everyone had high hopes for them. It was like Cats earlier years on on the team with uh, Wiggins, um, but I think. I think you can't let, like you said, you can't let the Timberwolves think they can win this series because they will. Like, they will actually win this series if you let them in. And, I mean, I don't think, I think if I were to give my final prediction, I think the Grizzlies win this series in, like, six. I think six is a good number. I think that, I mean, the Grizzlies are the two seed for the reason they're the second-best team in the NBA right now. Um, mm-hmm. I just... I think the Timberwolves have a really bright future. I don't think that they can necessarily win anything right now, which is why I justify them celebrating like they won the NBA Finals after the play-in win. But they're going to give the Grizzlies a run for their money. And if I was the Grizzlies, I'd probably want to. I'd probably want the Clippers over Minnesota. I mean, granted, seating and all, but 
that's an easier matchup, I think. I think the Timberwolves are better than a play-in team, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, I mean, it's just the fact that they play hard. They they run up and down the court. They're young. They're fun. They're exciting. I mean, it's good when you get that stamp of approval from me. I really enjoy watching this team play. And if you enjoy watching a team play, then they've got to be pretty good, right? I, I, I agree with this uh, six-game series, Mark. I think Memphis pulls it out as well. But I think the Timberwolves give them a little run for their money, and it's going to be a tough one. Um, maybe tire them down going into the next round and then having to play a Golden State or a Denver. And I don't think Memphis has it has the uh, ability to get past this kind of difficult run that they have to make to get to the Western Conference Finals. I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to make it. Yeah, that, I mean, we, we could probably dissect each matchup when everything's formed. Yeah, and after the because our next recording will be after the weekend mm-hmm. on uh, Patriots Day on Monday, which is great. But we, um, I'm really excited. You know, every single matchup this year, I think, has potential to go seven games. You know, even the one versus eight in both conferences. I mean, if certain, I mean, besides maybe the Phoenix series, I think Phoenix is probably going to sweep whatever they face. But yeah. I think every other matchup is going to kind of formulate to be a really tough series for whoever. So I think that's a good ending point, and I kind of want to start talking about the MLB while the Red Sox are still on. And um, how about the Sox, man? I mean, at, at the time of this recording, they're up 9-4 to four on the Tigers. Um, the offense seemed asleep probably for the second half of the entire week. You know, Monday – we, when we recorded, we said that we were probably going to sweep Detroit. We ended up losing that game after Javi Baez nuke. But around halfway through the game yesterday, something clicked, and the offense just started to hit. And that's what we love to see. We've said, like, throughout our preseason predictions that the Red Sox will go as far as their offense takes them. And starting to see guys like Kike get major hits. He has three doubles and a home run in the last two games. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. has two doubles and a few RBIs today. You know, JD's hit. Everyone's hitting. And um, what do we think, boys? We think uh, this is going to stay, this little hot streak? Yes. I, 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 don't know. I don't know why I'm thinking it. Usually I'm not a guy that uh, gets too excited off one or two days. But this is what we're expecting from the Red Sox. This is what they were supposed to bring us from the start of the season. Um, and they didn't really have it for the Yankees series. They needed to turn it on at some point, and they found it. Something clicked. I don't know what it was, but something clicked. And now the bats are going, the offense is moving, and, and that's the best part. of This is the best part of our team, and we are a good playoff team. This is the best part of our team is our offense. We're a team that's supposed to be scoring five runs a game, and we are now. And I don't think it's going to slow down for a while. I don't know if it's going to slow down the whole year. I think this might be one of those years. I'm, I don't know. I don't know. This is my early season prediction. My reasoning behind I think this little hot streak is going to continue, JBJ is hitting the ball. Yeah. We, we've seen it before. When he's hitting the ball, the team – And I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I, I am too. I mean, like, I got back from class and put the game on, and I see JBJ – Hit a hit a just a great just great overall hit. I think got a double on it earlier on in the episode. Yeah. I mean that's something that you want to see. I mean like I said this earlier on a few episodes ago. I mean JBJ is our whole offensively defensively he's great, but like we need his bat like 
at, at his best. I know he wasn't the best there last year. He never really like was, but like in the past when he's been with us, he's had those runs where he's been amazing. And that's something that I would love to see come back. Yo, I a hundred percent agree. And I think everyone like Red Sox fans as a whole and MLB fans thought, all right, this Red Sox team one through six, they have great players, but then seven, eight, nine is where this lineup kind of falls out. And if seven, eight, nine are producing for this team, it's really hard to stop anyone who can bat one through nine. But when the holes in your lineup are kind of stepping up and the bottom half of the lineups, like producing, allowing guys like Kike to get RBIs and Devers after that, it's, it's a great sight to see, you know, story had his first RBI today and it's just the confidence thing. I I'm a firm believer in hitting. I mean, baseball is an analytics game, but hitting's contagious. I don't care what stats say. Hitting is contagious. And if guys, like especially 79, are hitting, then the top half of the lineup has ultimate confidence. Like, all right, these guys are hitting. I can't – I don't want to drop down the order. I want to help my teammates out. I want to get them in. I want to – you know? So it's great to see everyone hitting. Yeah, and I'm very happy about it. One thing that I've been wondering throughout this whole run, and I love Alex Cora. I think he's a great manager. Um, I've been a little confused about having Denver's batting second, right? And – um, Kike going on a little stretch of, I mean, not getting hit for like the first three or four games really didn't help Rafi with his numbers. I'm kind of interested to see like what you guys are thinking. I, I could see Devers fitting into a four slot and I kind of like JD at five. Um, I don't really know who would fit in that two. I know we have story batting second when we face a righty, but I just really face it. I, I want to see I want to see Devers bat a little later in the top of the lineup, like three, four. Um, I, I I'm not a big fan of him at two. I don't know why. Do you guys agree or no? I don't I agree. Sh- I, I was gonna say you go first. I, I like the strategy behind playing like giving our lineup like as effective as it is against either righties or lefties. But like I feel like that's such a confidence like loser. Like, I feel like if you want Story to be the star player that we signed, we can't have him batting second one night and then sixth another night. Like, obviously, he knows his weak points in his game and stuff like that. But like you said, Griff, I feel like I could see Devers coming in at fourth, and I would like to see someone on the downwards of the four, five, six kind of, like, be the anchor. Someone to get um, seven, eight, nine on fire. Someone to just boost their confidence, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's just as important as having – is making an adjustment to have story bat second or six. Like, yeah, you want to see story be six and hopefully give seven, eight, nine a boost. But I mean, what about himself? You know, I think we should kind of, in my opinion, I wouldn't even mind to see story leading off. I think his a very underrated part of his game is speed. And if he's a guy who can bat around 270, get on base a lot, you know, he can be the first guy. And then, whoever you want to put at two. I, I like Verdugo at two. You know, if you want to go alternate righties and lefties, then you put here, like, off the top of my head, a, a great lineup, in my opinion, would be Story, Verdugo, Bogarts, JD, Rafi. And then, um, wait, yeah, Story, and then Kike at six, and then seven, eight, nine, you can put whoever you want. So, C-Vac, JBJ. It just, yeah, it just, um, it's interesting to see how Cora does it because I know he's a great manager and we've seen time and time out. He's, he brings a lot of wins to the table through strategy 
and through managing the game in a different way than other managers. But you pay Story all this money to have him bat six some nights and then move him up to two. I, I think I'm a kind of a believer and you want to keep a lineup very similar. And um, if you're going to keep a guy in for batting righty and lefty, what's the point of moving him up and down in the lineup? I feel like we'll see change soon, in my opinion. I feel like I feel like we're gonna get that adjustment soon, especially if our little like batting hot streak comes to an end like very abruptly. I feel like we'll see change right away. I mean, obviously it's the beginning of the season, we're gonna be experimenting with a few things, but obviously if we can't keep the bats rolling like we had the past couple of days and it just stops, let's say in a couple of days, I don't especially during the home stretch, we wanna those are key games. Right, and, and Trevor Story is a guy that is used to batting in, in the one or the two hole. He's a guy that, I mean, we signed him pretty much to do that. When we signed him, in my head was, he's going to bat second for us, right? is going to lead off, and Trevor Story is going to bat second, and then the rest was going to be, I mean, we have Xander, we have Rafi, we have JD to, to follow them. But I really thought Story was going to be a top-of-the-order guy. I feel like he's comfortable there because he's been doing it for years with the Rockies, and he's been proven. That's the reason we signed him. We signed him for his speed. Why not have um, him in that part of the lineup that really relies on speed, and speed helps us out the most there so our RBI machines can have somebody on base. It just really doesn't make sense to me. And I think you're right. We're going to see some change soon, and I think it's going to benefit Trevor Story a lot. And I think this is a great segment point into the rest of the league. Because if we want to talk about strong lineups, we got to talk about the Blue Jays. You know, they are everything that we said that they were. Like, the offense is going to be great. The defense is going to be great. Their starters are pretty good. And then the relievers come in and blow it. And we've seen a lot of blown leads so far around the MLB. I mean, if you want to talk about the opening series, the Rangers versus the, the Blue Jays, which I think are two pretty, I mean, very good teams. Both teams blew a lead in that series of over five runs, which we usually don't see in the same series. Um, opening day, the Rangers blew a seven-run lead, which is almost unheard of. And then the Blue Jays blew a five-run lead in game three of that series. So the Blue Jays, if they want to make a run now, they got to add some relievers, in my opinion, because that's something that will stay. That's something that will continue to haunt you. So – I'm curious to hear what you guys kind of have to say about what the Blue Jays are right now. I mean, I feel like Alec Manoa shined a bright light for them in terms of their hitting. Like he, like, I don't know, just their pitching is really going to take them as far as like their hitting is obviously good, but their pitching is really going to take them as far as their pitching goes. Like that's their season right there. It's it's really we know what we're gonna get from the hitters, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. They're electric, and honestly, their defense is very good too. They they play very good in the field. It's just about their pitchers letting up a lot of contact, a lot of hits, and that's I mean obviously the weak spot in their team, and it's what's gonna hold them down throughout the whole year. It's gonna be their Achilles heel. They need to make moves. They literally need to make moves. I don't – I see them falling behind because you can't keep the bats hot for a whole year. I mean, that hot. Like, they they saw it yesterday when they lost to the Yankees. I don't think they put up a run. If anything, they put up one late because I was watching that game. Um, if you can't put up – if you can only put up one to two runs and you're the Blue Jays' offense, 
it's an automatic loss because your pitchers are giving up way too many runs a game and you can't rely on the bats to be that hot throughout the whole season and postseason. No, I 100% agree. I think their defense, though, is a very bright spot. You know, every single guy who's in that field was making plays. I mean, I don't want to say, like, every single play, obviously, but we saw Teoscar Hernandez make it a great play in the right. Bo Bichette is covering a lot of ground at short. Vlad's making good plays at first. And you know what Matt Chapman brings to the table defensively? Like, their infield is a very solid infield. And if the outfield can kind of produce defensively, that's probably the best defense overall in the league. So there's so many bright spots for this Blue Jays team that they can go as far as they want. It's just the bullpen that really does hold them back. And it's it's something that is going to hold them back too much because you're playing in a tough division in the AL East where you have the Yankees, the Rays, and the Red Sox. And the Orioles, who actually suck, so we're going to leave them out of this. They're not actually in the AL East. They're not real. Um, You can't struggle that hard. And the Red Sox bullpen isn't that great either. But in my opinion, it's it's better than the Blue Jays, and it's going to be the difference between us and them throughout this whole run. I agree. And um, there's still room for them to improve, in my opinion. I mean, the trade deadline is the same for a reason. And we'll kind of talk. I want to talk about some of the stars around the league as well. Starting off with the MVPs, Otani and Harper, they're both off to very slow starts. So Otani is like two of 14 to start the year with a ton of strikeouts, and Harper's one of 11 to start the year with like five strikeouts as well. So, uh, excuse me, the season, it's a long season. But you kind of want to see some of your better players get off the hotter starts. And, I mean, of course, I drafted Shohei Otani first overall in our fantasy league, and he hasn't really produced much. But Otani's a weird situation because he can still be very good pitching, but if he's not producing, like, with the bats, it's not the end of the world for that guy. But Bryce Harper, on the other hand, that Phillies lineup is so weak defensively that they need him to produce offensively to make up for what they, they're lacking on the other side of the ball. Right, and with Otani, it's like if he's doing great um, on the mound and he's not doing good hitting, then you're right. It's like he's still playing good, but he's not playing good to what the team needs. They need Otani to fill into that two or three slot and have a lot of hits, have a lot of RBIs, even on the days that he is pitching. So when he's not producing the bat, you're losing a a lot on that offense because – he is number one and number two in level of importance uh, for the Angels. Now, Bryce Harper, if he's not hitting, the Phillies are screwed. Like, the Phillies, they have no chance because they can't really do anything else. They have other bats on their team. That's the bright spot. If you can move Bryce Harper down, first off, it would be a big hit to his ego. So it depends on how he responds to that because he's a guy with a big ego. Um, if he can really put those things together and realize that he's been here, he's done this, and, and he starts to get back to, to production, they're going to be an exciting team when they're on offense. I mean, I agree. like I, oh, I agree yeah. for the I agree for the most part. I mean, they're hitting. They have they have added some new guys along of Schwarber and 
Castellanos, which is a big thing. I feel like he needs to kind of find his groove within the lineup. But I mean, I feel like we're discrediting their pitching a little bit. I they like Zach Wheeler's on that team. They also have Aaron Nola. They also have a few other guys who are like low key, but they're they're still pretty good and they can perform on a night to night basis. They're not any the rest of their guys aren't like too, too crazy, but I feel like that can really help them out a little bit. And I feel like they're just still even a solid overall team. Obviously having Bryce Harper get like two hits a night is huge for them. Cause like he can do that. Like he can get right. two to three hits a night easy. And I just like, obviously that helps him out a tremendous amount, especially having Castellanos and Schorber as well. Like I feel like if once he finds that groove with all of them, I feel like they're going to be very, very dangerous. Yeah, and if you want to talk about finding grooves, how about what happened with Clayton Kershaw? I mean, today at the time of this recording, Wednesday, Kershaw went seven perfect innings for the Dodgers and got pulled out of the game with only 80 pitches. I hate that so much. I don't care what point of the season it is. Clayton Kershaw, he had the chance to become the 24th pitcher in MLB history to throw a perfect game. And that's something that can create a ton of momentum for your team. You know, you pull a guy who was throwing a perfect game. Like, I'd understand one thing if he had a ton of uh, pitches, like if he had 100 pitches through seven or whatever. But, no, he didn't. He had 80. He's on pace to get to 100 after nine. So it's just very frustrating, in my opinion. If I'm Clayton Kershaw, I'm demanding a trade. It's, dumb decision. It's so dumb. It, it's Clayton Kershaw and – in my opinion, he doesn't have a lot of years left in production, like compared to what he's been doing. He's kind of falling off in his career. He's getting old. And he's out here. He throws seven perfect innings. He had 13 Ks in those um in those seven innings. He's hot. He's, he didn't throw a lot of pitches either. And they just pulled him. I think it's stupid. Uh, let him f- at least get into the eighth, see how he does there and maybe potentially close out the ninth. I honestly think if they let him in, he was going to finish the job. He's Clayton Kershaw. He has it in him. I really think that it would have happened. I agree. And then speaking of another pitcher who also went off, who has not had – who didn't have the best season last year, Jesus Lazardo, who got traded for Starling Marte late in that season from from the athletics. He pitched five innings and had 12 Ks. They pulled him because of a pitch restriction early on in the season because of what has happened also the last few years. I just want to shine some light there because he was one of baseball's top prospects two years ago. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. to see a lot of strikeouts. I, I like strikeouts. It's like good like when, when there's double-digit strikeouts. It makes you feel like, wow, like no matter what, like these guys didn't hit them. Like you could have five hits and 12 Ks, and I wouldn't care about the five hits. If you have double-digit Ks, that, that's an impressive performance. That's 12 that's per pretty. people that's – I mean, missed on three pitches. That's very impressive. Yeah. It looks great, too. You know, double-digit strikeouts, I feel like nine strikeouts looks a whole lot worse than ten strikeouts. Yeah, but like, it really does. It, it, it's funny. I like to say, like, the difference between nine and ten strikeouts is so much more than the difference of ten and eleven. Like, it just looks so much better when you have double-digit strikeouts because that's yeah. kind of like the bar for a great outing. You literally struck out, like, that's a lineup. You struck out nine batters. They only bat nine people. Now, you didn't strike out every single one. Um, but you struck out nine. It's still a lot, but 10 does seem like a lot more. And I think it's just a mental thing because you think of double digits. It's just a whole different 
area of numbers. <laughs> so mental, mental wise, it, it's insane. I want to see. It's weird. There's a lot of teams this year that were, are relying on bats. There's a lot of teams this year that are re- relying on defense. And I feel like in past years, it's been based off trends. Like one year, it's like the year of the home run. Like all, everyone's hitting home runs. Everybody's getting a lot of runs. And then another year, it's like games are ending in 2 nothing, 1-2, 1-0. This year, it's kind of a mix. There's teams that are relying so heavily on defense that have a bad offense. And they're playing against teams that are the opposite of them. I'm interested. I feel like this year is kind of the year. It's like, what's the next trend going to be? Is defense going to be more important? Is offense is more more important? And how the analytics break that down? It's going to be cool to see. I'm excited for this year. I think it's going to be a very like fun year to figure a lot of things out. And I think that's a good stopping point for today's episode. Um, any final comments? for the next few seasons or series for the Red Sox. Um, I hope coming up. Uh, I hope that the ambulance that was driving by saves the day. First off, heroic performance. Everybody listening to that, you can't be mad at that. They're doing their job. Stav lives in Boston. What are you going to do? Um, yeah, I'm also on the 11th floor with my, all my windows closed. It's impossible to keep out the noise here, people. <laughs> no, but um, the Sox, the Sox, what I want from them, and I might be asking for too much, but I want dominance. I want to see the bats absolutely moving. I want to see every single pitcher that's coming up. I want to see them be scared to play the Boston Red Sox because they should be. And I think the bullpen will do a good job if we just get a little bit of momentum with the bats. It's going to take a lot of pressure off of our pitchers and it's going to lead to a lot of success. So I, I want to see the bats just absolutely dominate throughout the next couple of the series. Yeah. I'm, I'm with that. With um, that as well. I want to sweep. I want to see Correa go home crying. That's yes. Priority. Yes, that would be awesome. Yes, and, and we will be there on Saturday, me and Stav, for City Connect Day. Um, but we hope you guys enjoyed, right? We're all done. We hope you guys enjoyed. We will catch you on Tuesday of next week after the Red Sox sweep the Minnesota Twins. We will see you later, and peace. Peace. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.